How's everybody doing? Doing good? Good. So, my name is Zach Boatman, and I approve that dorm video. So, there it is. In the words of Shane Wood, this is going to be a really boring sermon, so I, go, I hope you guys are ready for it. Um, and I know that you guys, you all have this question in your mind right now, and it's going to bug you the entire sermon if I don't answer it. So we're going to get this like ironed out right now, okay? And the question is, is this guy related to Don Earl Boatman? I mean, is he the guy that the, you know, the dorm over there is named after? Don't worry. No, I'm not. Um, in fact, I don't even, I'm not even directly related to him. Maybe somewhere down the line, I am my own branch of Boatman. <laughs> but on a more serious note, I want to start with this phrase. And this, this phrase, you've probably heard it a lot, and it goes something like this. God will never give us more than we can handle. And this phrase, you've probably heard it a lot, like I said, and if you haven't heard it, well, congratulations, you just did. But I just want to point out that it's not exactly biblical. And the text that we get it from, the text that you probably heard it from, is 1 Corinthians 10.13, which says, God will never let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. There's a slight little word difference there. And whenever we're talking about God will never give you more than you can handle, I just want to point out a couple Old Testament references, like a couple Old Testament people, especially when we're talking about this. And the first one that comes to mind is Jonah. And you know the story of Jonah. Jonah gets called by God to go talk to the Ninevites. And what does Jonah do? God says, hey, go talk to the Ninevites. And Jonah says, nope. And so Jonah, he runs in the opposite direction and God's sitting here and I'm kind of sitting back like thinking, man, what would God be thinking? Like, I just kind of picture God sitting back being like, seriously? Come on, Jonah. And I kind of picture him saying to Jonah, well, you know, until you figure out that you need to go where I want you to go, well, all I got to say is things might get a little fishy. And so what happens is, you know, Jonah gets swallowed by the fish and he's in the belly of the fish for three days and he prays to God and he's like, God, you know what? I was wrong. Let me, you know, come back and do your will. And he does God's will. He goes and he preaches to the Ninevites. And the entire time I'm sitting here like, if I was God and I was, you know, talking to Noah, or talking to Noah I'd be like, would you just trust me? Would you just trust me that I know what I'm doing? The other example that I think of is Job. Some of you know the story of Job. In the story, he loses everything. He loses his family, his children, his wife, his friends, his land, his cattle, his money. And throughout the entire book, Job is pitted with this decision to either trust God, to be faithful to God, or to curse God. And you know how the story goes. No matter what happens to Job, Job holds on to what is true. He holds on to God and he says, I will never let you go. And in this sermon, here's what I want you to walk away with. It's a simple three little section phrase. And it is, be still and suffer. Trust God and hold on. If there's anything that I want you to walk away with today, it is that one phrase... That no matter where you are in life, that you would be still and suffer. That you would trust God and you would hold on. 
And it's all summed up in a nice little concise package. So if you want to use your chapel skips and you want to walk out right now, take the walk of shame. It's okay. And, but, you know, if you want to stay, we're going to continue. And we're going to start with some of the suffering that goes on around here. And I've been around a little while. I've been around longer than most, six years. But um, <laughs> one of the things that I noticed we suffer with is this fun little invention called the 7 a.m. classes. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I don't even think God's awake at 7 a.m. Like, whew. And if he is, his grace and mercy is lacking. Okay, like, I walk from Boatman to the library most of the years of life. There was icy times. There were rainy times. There were times that there wasn't even light in the morning. There was a time that a tree got struck by lightning. I mean, I don't, uh. Or maybe, maybe it's a little worse than that. Maybe... You have witnessed an exegetical. Or for some of you freshmen, it's the scripture research paper. <laughs> yeah. And you know, there's only, there's two different sides of this spectrum. There's no in-between ground here. There's the people who have been working all semester and you have formed a like small book. All right, and you got it done. And then you have the people over here, which is kind of where I'm at, where you have spent the last 48 hours trying to figure out how you're going to get all of that book done in the next 24. Like, whoo, it's crazy. Or maybe, maybe it's something else. Maybe the suffering is a little bit something else. So I heard, well, maybe it's like a significant other. So I heard this story of a guy, and this guy, he liked this girl, and he decided, I'm going to get the girl. And so what he does is he comes up with this foolproof plan and he decides, well, I'm going to try and interact with this girl as much as I can. And I know that she's going to be at this specific place at this specific time every week. And so he kind of gets up a little bit of courage and he goes to that specific place at that specific time. And sure enough, there she is light of his eye and he walks up and he had been rehearsing what he was going to say for the last week. And he gets up to her and he, he looks at her and he says, Hey, would you like to go out and get some coffee? And she looks at him and she smiles and politely says, no. And so the guy, he kind of, he takes a little bit of his courage they had left and he takes that walk of shame away from the conversation and he's sitting there and he's like, what did I do wrong? And he looks down and he realizes it. He was wearing gym shorts and a grungy t-shirt and he kind of smelled a little bad. So he decides, I can fix this. And so the next week goes by and he had a little bit more time prep and so he goes to that specific place at that specific time and sure enough, there she is again. And he had been working through rehearsing what he was going to say and this time things were different. He had jeans on. He was a little bit nicer. He actually kind of smelled decent. And he walks up to her and he says, Hey, would you like to get some coffee? And she looks at him and she smiles. And she politely says, No. And so the guy, he's like bound and determined to get this girl. And so he decides, he takes his courage and he takes his walk of shame away from the conversation. And he's kind of sitting there thinking, Well, maybe, maybe if I tried a little harder... Uh, sure enough, this wasn't cutting it. And so a week goes by, and he comes up to the same place at the same time, and things were completely different this time. This time, he wasn't just wearing any jeans. He was wearing the nicest jeans he had to his name. On top of that, he was wearing shoes that were the nicest shoes he had. He smelled good. You could probably smell them a mile away. On top of that, 
he decided that he was going to wear a blue plaid shirt because blue made his eyes, his blue eyes pop. And so he walks up to the girl and there she is. She's right there. And he had been rehearsing these lines for a while. And he walks up to her and he says, hey, would you like to go get some coffee? And she looks at him. She smiles and politely and kindly says, no. And so he walks away and he didn't try again after that. And I told this, or I told this story one time in a sermon at one of the churches I was working at. And as I was like off the stage and after the sermon and everything, I was talking to a couple people and there's this older lady in the group that I was talking to. And she walks up to me and she says, Hey, did you ever, did the guy ever think that maybe the girl didn't like coffee? I was a little taken back by that. I was like, man, I never thought about that. I guess I should have... Well, I guess I was too focused on something else. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, just in case you guys are wondering, I have applications in the back. I'm looking for a blonde-haired, blue-eyed girl that's uh, a little feisty. <laughs> anyway, so... Um, <laughs> but maybe, maybe, maybe your suffering's a little deeper than that. Maybe, maybe the suffering you're going through is not like that. Maybe you have a friend or family member that no matter how much God shows himself to them, or no matter how much you tell them about the grace of Christ, they don't listen. They're too busy living life up to need a God or someone to heal them because their scars have dulled their spiritual senses. And you suffer in agonizing amounts of pain because you pray over and over and over for them. And God, it feels like he's doing nothing. And you ask God, help them. Will you be there for them? Show them your mercy, God. Show them that you are there. And it seems like nothing's happening. And in a gentle whisper, you begin to hear the words of God. And he says, trust me. Or maybe your maybe your suffering's a little deeper than that. When I was younger, my parents got divorced, and it rocked my life. It left me with this hatred for my dad, and I felt betrayed by him. And years went by and everything started to turn a little bit better, and both my parents got remarried to other people. Now I thought life was just dandy. I thought it was actually making a turn for the better. And then it happened. My mom, coincidentally, married an emotionally, physically abusive drunk. And things took turn after turn after turn for the worst. First, there's no money. Then there's no power, no food. Tempers flared. People were angry with each other. And it just, I watched my own family fall away from the church. And it got so bad at one point that the 911 responder dispatcher people, they knew us on a first name basis because of the frequent calls. There were many nights that I went to bed and I didn't know if I was going to wake up the next morning because of the threats made. But there were even more nights that I would escape from the house and I'd run down the street to the church roof that was just a couple blocks away and I would sit on top of that church roof and I would pray to God and I'd ask him why me 
Why do you have to let me go through this suffering? I have been faithful to you this whole time. What did I deserve? What did I do to deserve this pain? Why did I deserve this suffering? Why do you put me through this? There were many nights that I prayed that. And it was in a gentle whisper that I heard the voice of God say, Trust me. Or maybe your pain and your suffering is deeper than that. Maybe it's that personal sin. Yeah, you know the one that I'm talking about. The one that nobody else knows about. And you keep trying and trying and trying to kick it, but it just won't leave you. It's like a thorn in the flesh. And you ask God over and over that he would take it away, but still it persists. And in a gentle whisper, you hear the words of God, and he says, trust me. He says, trust me. Suffering at its core leaves us with a decision to make. It leaves us with the decision that we are either going to trust God or we are going to trust ourselves. And the stronger of the two will win. You can't serve both. You either trust God with everything or you do it yourself. And suffering pushes us to that point. And sadly, we trust ourselves far too much, far too often. And we put ourselves in the place of God. And we decide that we trust ourselves more than we need to trust God. And the only person who can move us away from that little area, that little throne that we put ourselves on, the pedestal that we like to stand on, is God himself. And the way that he does it is through suffering. He puts us in situations that are beyond our control. That seem impossible to us. To where there is no way that we can get through this without God himself. And he says, trust me. He says, trust me, I am enough and I am here. God's timing is different than our timing. And often he calls us to be still in our suffering. Not that we would be in pain, but that we would see him and trust him. Or have we forgotten who it is, the God that we trust? The God who is above all creation. The God who breathed the stars into existence. Who knit you in your mother's womb. The one who we live and move and have our being in. The one who is closer than our own thoughts. The sovereign God who is above all else. Whose goodness knows no bounds. And whose love is beyond comparison. Especially when it comes to you. And he says, trust me. I am enough. And I am here. And I will pull you through this. All I need you to do is to trust me and hold on. In fact, we need not look any farther than the cross whenever we see all three of these thoughts of be still, trust God, and hold on converge. In Matthew 27, verse 46, Jesus is hanging on the cross. And he cries out in a loud voice saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At a very base level. It looks like Jesus is mad at God because it looks like God forsook Jesus. That he has left him alone. But it's not what's happening there. 
Jesus is quoting Psalm 22. And in fact, it's a lot like um, Jesus is recalling the people's attention to a promise of God. Talking about one of the Psalms of David. It's a lot like if I was to say, O come, O come. Emmanuel, there we go. We're awake this morning. Okay. Jesus is doing the same thing here. When he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish, my God, I cry out day, or I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. He's bringing the people's attention back to the God that he trusts in. And the God that he is going to hold on to. And it is because Jesus trusted God and Jesus held on to God that we are saved. It's because of Jesus' death and resurrection, because he trusted God and held on to God, that we can trust God, come near to God, and hold on to him. It's like what Hebrews 2 says. Jesus was tempted and suffered so that he could help those who are tempted. He knows the pain that you've been through. And he says, trust God and hold on. Every now and then, um, I go to the movies, and I see this very moving image. <laughs> it's a pun. Um, <laughs> anyway, but in, in the movies I go to, generally in action movies, you have this like plot thing where you have two heroes. They've been kind of battling evil throughout the entire story. And they get to the climax of the story. They defeat the evil, and they're trying to escape from the evil lair. And all of a sudden, something happens. I don't know what it is. It's an explosion. The castle that they're in is falling apart. And oh man, you have this moving image where you have one of the heroes, coincidentally, has fallen off a cliff and is holding on to the other one, while the other one is laying on him or laying down trying to pull him back up. And you know how this scene goes. The person on the bottom is always sitting there like, oh, just let go of me. Save yourself. Don't worry. You can do it. Or maybe they were evil in the very beginning, and so they bring back to the forefront of everybody's mind that I deserve to die. And then you have the other person who's up over the ledge, hanging over, holding on to him. And you know how this goes. They're never like, okay. <laughs> oh, that's, that's not how that goes. They're always sitting there and they're always like, I will hold on to you. I will never let you go. We're going to make this. We're going to make it out of here. We're going to go home. We're going to, we're going to party it up. You know, like we're going to make it out of this. And I think whenever we sit here and we're talking about holding on to God, the same imagery applies to us and our suffering. We sit there and we are holding on to God. Most of us were barely hanging on. And we say, God, I don't know if I can do this anymore. God, the world is just so hard, and I don't know if I can handle it anymore. I just, I don't know if holding on to you is worth it. Because it would be so much easier to just let go and fall. And God, he looks at us and he says, I will never let go of you. I will hold on to you, and my hand is tightly fastened around your hand, and I will pull you out of this. All you have to do is be still. 
in this suffering. Trust me and hold on because I will pull you through this. I will never let go of you. My love is so great that I will hold on to you. Even when you don't think that you can hold on, I will keep you steady. (laughs) Be still and suffer. Trust me and hold on to me, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us when we are in our troubles. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. And since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into, into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance perseverance character character and character hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us if there is anything that you must remember is this that no matter how much suffering the world throws at you no matter how hard life gets in the big pains in the trivial struggles whether you or when life gets out of control whether you are Job or Jonah whether it is family friends or yourself in the emotional financial physical and spiritual pains when the world seems as dark as it can get and it feels as though there is no hope God is there God allows us to be thrown into chaos that is so far beyond our control that the only option we have is to turn to Him, to trust Him, and to hold on to Him. And I tell you, I tell you it is in these moments that we must remember to do this. To trust or be still and suffer. Trust God and hold on.